3: Good evening and welcome to our front. My guest tonight is the Commissioner of the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice, Joseph Wittar. We'll be interrogating his recent uncompromising stand on issues of corruption, police brutality, and the need to hold public institutions accountable. You're welcome, sir. I hope you are doing well. It's Excellent. been a long time since we had the in-studio session like this. Right. You have been running away from the ordinary people of this state. Are you the sure? The people you should be serving anyway.
2: You have been refusing to call me.
3: Oh, really? I- at your call. I-, I hope you are doing great. I mean, I'm mean, i doing very well. Let me zoom in straight because there's a recent comment that I'm interested in yeah. you making. You said at, 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 a, at an anti-corruption conversation that you would like to strongly urge the executive in particular the Attorney General and Cabinet to master the political will to put before Parliament for passage into law two very important innovations in the anti-corruption legal framework in Ghana, which will serve as the domestication of the AUCPCC and the UNCAC. These laws are the Conduct of Public Officers Bill and the Criminal Offences Amendment Bill 2021. The conduct of public officers' bill is better known in the public domain, all right? Of course, in your view, the criminal offenses bill, which is with the attorney general and has consulted stakeholders on its inputs, is lesser known, but equally very important. From where I sit, how relevant are these two bills to the quest to make sure that corruption is high risk? Thank
2: you, Raymond. But let me indicate that it is strongly urged. Okay. I'm still urging... By making it strong, and my good friend, Godfrey Yebo Adame, mm-hmm. should ensure that if we are going to make the fight against corruption a meaningful exercise, the Attorney General and the Cabinet should make, make sure that we bring these two bills. The conduct of Public Officers Bill has been in the public domain to and fro from the from, uh, executive to Parliament and back to the executive through Cabinet again for about 10 years now. Meanwhile, we're engulfed in corruption. The Criminal Offenses Amendment Bill is expanding the the area of corruption in terms of the scope of corruption. That is even not known by most people. So these are two bills that would take forward the UN Convention Against Corruption, which Ghana has ratified, and Ghana has been peer-reviewed, and these... In fact, the Criminal Offense Amendment Bill is actually a product of Ghana's peer review. Oh, I see. And why we are not ensuring that that this becomes a reality so that we can really hold public officials and other persons in the private sector in respect of corruption more stringent, I don't understand.
3: We have a litany of laws that fight corruption in this country. We have an Office of Special Prosecutor in the Republic of Ghana why then do we need any other further amendments on this, really?
2: It's, 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 uh, unfortunately, the OSP has got a limited jurisdiction. The office is established, but the corruption and corruption-related offenses is supposed to prosecute or investigate and prosecute are limited. This limited? W- limited. This is, but that's entirely what he's supposed to do. This is coming to even expand that mandate. Okay. And so it is
3: even good for the, the OSP. Now, let me be quite clear on some of these things. See, the criminal offenses amendment, for example, expands the definition of corruption uh, to include profiting from public office. How does broadening the definition help catch more forms of corruption? Oh,
2: it does a lot.
3: For now, we don't even have... Private sector
2: corruption is not
3: criminalized. What does that mean? What does private sector corruption mean? It means
2: that when you are in the private sector, as a private sector entity either as a worker, a, you know, a contractor, or an official who works in the private sector, in the, in the economy, in commerce, in, in administration, you should be able to be held accountable in respect of what you do in the private sector. And don't forget, the intended punishments are very punitive. Oh, they are harsher than previous ones? They are really, really harsher, because there is no option of a fine. You have 12 years minimum imprisonment if you are convicted of that offense. And Is it only for public officers? 25 for public officers.
3: 12 years minimum.
2: No, no. What I've just indicated is the private sector. In the private sector. Private sector. So we don't have that. This is a novelty. So that the private sector will know that, look, if you joke with trying to bribe people Uh, give money to influence contracts of government officials and others, this is what will await you.
3: That's why I am pushing for Even if when you're a government official?
2: If you're not. If you're in the private sector, you are a contractor. So you're
3: basically saying that you can go to jail for 12 to 25 years? Yes. Minimum without an option of a fine. Without an option of a fine? Good. If you try to corrupt people as a private sector person, but the one offering the bribe. Offering the bribe. Is that all too drastic? Why?
2: Where we have reached in the fight against corruption, we really need to even be more drastic. We need to send a deterrence so that nobody has said, "We are taking you to prison immediately." Don't even attempt to do it. If you want to do business with government,
3: make sure that you do it above board.
2: That is what is
3: important. In fact, it's a signal to everybody. This bill also makes it an offence for public to have significant, and that's what they said, significant assets of property they cannot account for. Why is addressing illicit enrichment important?
2: That's the biggest problem we have.
3: Really? In fact, the AU convention,
2: Mm -hmm. the UN convention have all got provisions that indicate that illicit illicit enrichment is the main problem of corruption in, in the world. Ghana has no provision, criminal provision, in respect of illicit enrichment.
3: No law at all? No
2: law. The only law is in Article 286, Clause 4, which makes provision for, if after the initial uh, declaration by anybody of his assets and properties, you cannot later explain how you got any property beyond the initial uh, declaration, that... Without a reasonable explanation, that property will be deemed to have been, I mean, gotten illegally, and should be deemed to be confiscated to the state. That's all. But right. that is but that's not a criminal offence.
3: Oh really? okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So this this criminal offence, it's almost like saying that if I stash money anywhere and I cannot explain it, it's a criminal offence. Yes. I'm a public officer. And if you
2: are you are arrested you are investigated, and you have been asked to explain how you came by this money, which goes beyond your standard of living and your known income and emoluments, the burden shifts to you to explain satisfactorily. If you cannot explain, then it will be confiscated, and you would also be, as a public officer, you will be removed from, your job will be terminated, and then you will be tried, and upon summary conviction, sentenced to a minimum of 12 years and a maximum of 25 years. Look, if we are going to fight corruption and make sure that Ghana is remains for our children and grandchildren, we need to begin to be very intentional about uh, implementing this type of provision. But that's almost like a lifestyle audit of a sort. It is a lifestyle audit. In fact, it's a stringent lifestyle
3: audit. But the OSP has been doing lifestyle audits.
2: No, no, no. He has got bits and pieces. He, the OSP himself knows that what is in that act is not good enough. It's only for purposes of investigations. Okay. He can't actually even prosecute for that.
3: Mm, for the lifestyle audit?
2: No. No, he can't. There's no criminal offense. It is this one, Okay. if it is passed, that he can then use
3: after the investigations and the findings, use that to start an uh, I mean, this looks like far-reaching, a very in-depth approach to the fight against corruption.
2: Very, very far-reaching. That is why I have, from the beginning, indicated that I respect Godfrey Yeboah Dame for bringing this up. But for about three years now, 2021, Mm -hmm. up to now, total silence on on what is happening with the bill. Do we know why? I don't know. I want to believe that uh, the AG has got so much on its hands so
3: we need to remind him. So what you're saying is that there is a law that would actually make it very difficult for even public officers or private people to actually engage in corruption.
2: Specifically, the illicit enrichment is against public officers.
3: Okay. Yeah. And yet, we are, we are still, we have not passed this particular law. We have not passed this amendment. Is it, is it, is it going to change an entrenched provision or something? No, it's not. It's not. By it's changing an act of parliament, right? It's not changing any act of parliament. It's only an amendment of the Criminal Offenses Act. Oh, I see. Yes. It's so, just adding. If you read it, it's, yeah. it's adding it's on to... more provisions on corruption. That's all. So what then is holding us back? Uh, political will. I mean, what does that even mean? That we are not willing to take to parliament? No, but but I, would, I, would, I, would, I would take a bit of that back because
2: I think... It is not necessarily political because for the Attorney General to have even ventured to put this out for consultation by stakeholders, it means there is some element of commitment. So who wrote the law? Attorney General. And he went ahead to engage stakeholders on it? He's engaged all of us in the justice sector and law enforcement.
3: Walk us through the procedure, so after writing and engaging people on it, how then does it become law?
2: After the stakeholder consultations, he is supposed to do a cabinet memorandum to cabinet, and then um, he is the sponsor of the bill, so he will justify in that memorandum the basis for the law, whether the law uh, is going to have any financial considerations for government, among others, and what is the mischief it is supposed to cure. And I believe all those things are standard things that AG can do. Has it gone through cabinet? Well, to the, to, to the best of my knowledge, I'm not even aware that it has gotten to parliament. I mean, cabinet. Oh, okay. It's
3: not gone there yet. I'm, to the best of my knowledge, I'm not aware. Does it look like it will be passed before the tenor ends of this government? If, if this That's government is committed
2: to fighting corruption and leaving a legacy, it should be able to do that. It's not difficult,
3: it's an amendment of the Criminal Offenses Act. Why are most of us now hearing of this? Let's be quite clear. Why? Well, I, I, that would be
2: difficult for me to know because I know since 2021. And that's why I'm in your studio, to speak
3: to it. I mean, because it's strange. Yeah. This is a law that perhaps even more recent happiness would have been dealt with and directed Perfect. In a more comprehensive manner. Very comprehensive. So why is it that we have not passed this law since 2021? What exactly is it a bad law? Is it a law that's going to attack the integrity of some people? Is it a law that's mischievous in its very intent?
2: For the Attorney General to even have decided to bring up a draft for consultation, it means that government is committed. Mm-hmm.
3: But the feed dragon is now my problem. And this is not Parliament because it's not got into Parliament. No, 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 no. no,
2: no. Parliament may not even be aware of this bill.
3: Now, I am trying to get around it. So we need to then be able to ask the Attorney General what's holding it back.
2: Yes, it would be good for the people of Ghana for you to
3: invite the Attorney General for some answers. Because in between that time, I mean, this is a question that you public officers, you are holding monies at home, you are hiding them in secret corners, you are so unsure that a lot of happened that's made the people question your integrity as a people shouldn't we rather be sending a signal to our people that we mean business and want to fix the problems, and want to send a strong signal that corruption is being dealt with properly?
2: In fact, what is happening in the public space should be an opportunity mm-hmm. for government to see, to see to ensuring that these type of bills are passed. That would resonate with the people. That we are not only just talking, but we are doing something about it.
3: You understand corruption. See, recently, there's a a very interesting piece from uh, Madam Elizabeth Mm O'Henry. Her question is, where should I hide my money? At the core of the question is something very important, she says. Mm -hmm. Be security conscious. She's of the opinion that hiding your money in different areas within your house, it's what people do. But the OSP appears to have problems with what's happening with the the Sicilia-Dapakis, which she references here. You are a lawyer, is hiding money in any corner, in parcels, whichever form you find it wrong in your home. Do you mind if I don't
2: use the. Like the pa- no, no, the no, pa-
3: I don't care about that. I just. I'd rather, I would rather say, use the
2: American as, uh, Senator? Yeah. Menendez?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah.
2: a similar situation. Mm. I think, in principle, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. You can keep your money where you want, but it's about the volume. When you are a public officer, you don't have the luxury of uh, privacy. Not too much privacy. Okay. It's qualified. So if you are a public officer with a vote, with government budget
0: that you can spend, and then suddenly we see... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket?
1: Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad, ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Raps
2: of money and other things in your bedroom. No just about some 20,000, 40,000 Ghana cedis, but in millions and millions. ¿Puedo preguntar? we are the taxpayers, we pay you this amount. We know how much your emoluments are. Where did this money come? So legitimate questions are raised. Okay. And I think these are the legitimate questions the special prosecutor wants to go into
3: mm. in terms of the Ghanaian case. Okay, so it's not just about whether you're hiding money at home, it's the volumes of money you're hiding and for what reason you have them. As,
2: as a public officer. As a public officer. There's a government policy that everybody should put his money in the bank. There is no law against keeping money in the house. But when you are a public officer who, don't forget, the context of the person you are mentioning, okay. was a minister with a budget, a government budget, running into millions. If we suddenly see or hear, in your bedroom, there are millions. When government policy encourages that all money that you, we individuals have should be put in the bank, whose money should be in the bank and yours should be in the, your bedroom? Okay. And how do we? Uh, how are we sure that that is not your money? But this is a matter that is before court. Okay. And so I would prefer that we we don't discuss it.
3: It only came up because um, of the Elizabeth Henley kind of a report, which was suggesting, which was asking the key question about yeah. where can I keep my money anyway? Right. Because if I can't keep it in these ones, what's the alternative available to me? Now, I want us to elevate this conversation because because of this incident and others around there, a lot of people are very suspicious of government officials more recently. Mm-hmm. The thinking is that, I mean, when we all say we are suffering with inflation at a very high exchange, it is actually blowing out of the people. People have a lot of money with them. Is that very problematic?
2: Very problematic, particularly when government has decided to go into people's investments, the DDP. Okay, the domestic deficit. If you can give us a haircut because we have our money in government shares. And some also have monies in their banks, and the banks have gone to buy shares, and the shares have been given a haircut. You, you guys, that's a context. Oh, yes, yeah, yes. yes. You should expect that nobody will be comfortable and be happy. The government will reach out and cut so much from ordinary people's investments. And then other public offices are laughing home because they have not kept their money in the bank or in shares. That is a problem. And it's because it was government policy that everybody should put his money in the bank Mm. Or, if you cannot put it in the bank, invest it in shares. So where is safe now? So if I have done what government policy requires, and a public official decides to keep that money, his or her money, in her bedroom, that money will not get a haircut.
1: Mm.
3: Is that fair? That's an interesting question. Is it fair? Yeah, it's not certainly fair. i we can't do this about it. Can we... <laughs> We can
2: do something about it. That's why the the, the special prosecutor is is hell-bent on finding answers for you and I.
3: Mm, That's interesting. You know, some time ago, you asked for support for the special prosecutor. Yes. Do you still maintain that position?
2: Oh, yes. He's my my good friend, and he's a new institution. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are a bit older, and so we know how to survive in this day and age. Uh, But he's new. And I can see there is some bit of effort in terms of, uh, recruitment that he had been wanting, I've seen some recruitment have taken place, which is fine, but I don't know about actual money for work. That, that is something we still want to plead with government to do more for the OSP. Mm. And of course for we ourselves too.
3: Now, <laughs> you have not only been talking about fighting corruption, you've actually been talking about how the police is conducting itself when yeah. it comes to protesters. You've issued a strongly worded statement. I mean, yes, strongly worded is the word that everybody's using, but why, why, why are you poking your nose into the affairs of the police a security institution? Yeah, that but
2: that, the, the word strongly worded is completely wrong.
3: Oh, really? The
2: word is advisory. An oh. advisory is an advice. Mm-hmm. If you look at the first word on that letter to my good friend, the IGP, is an advisory. It's because, you see, The right or the freedom to assemble, to demonstrate, and to protest is a a very fundamental right that has been, in fact, underscored by even the Supreme Court in a number of cases. Mm -hmm. Because the people can only take part in governance if they are able to collectively go on the street and indicate what they have about a government policy or government policy. There should be nothing wrong with that so the best we can do is protect them as they are making their case but for that to now become uh we have not had consensus about where your route is is ghana police not able to police people along the routes that any route that they take to ensure that they are kept in line but they talk about security zones, zones do. Do.
3: are they not security zones officer mm-hmm. the president uh, so places like Parliament, other places are there not security zones?
2: Well, I mean, you see, me, I'm, I'm, I'm I like democracy. Uh-huh. But I'm very careful when we begin, when people vote us into power, and we begin to look at places where the president and others, who the people elected, to become security zone against the people. What does that mean? How can that ordinary people who are walking around with a gun? How can that suddenly become a security zone? What the police can do is to cordon them off, give them a distance from wherever those security zones are, and let the people speak their mind. They are speaking to their government. They want to communicate. If you prevent them from communicating and tell them go and sit at Independence Square, is the president near Independence Square? The demonstrators want to get closer to where the problem is, where they can be heard. That's the point.
3: You are a lawyer. This issue with the police springing up on a let's say a couple of days or the day before your protest, with purported uh, injunction applications seeking to stop your protest, is it right? Whose protest? As in seeking to stop a protest of uh-huh. any sort. I just want to be clear. Yes, of course. I've not seen your <laughs> protest before. Yes,
2: it's problematic for me. Problematic because one, the way it is done. Meet or the eve of the event, the eve of the event, we sadly bring processes, serve on them, indicating that there is an injunction application. You need to come to court on a date that is put way beyond the date for the match. What what, uh, any reasonable person can read between the, the, the Okay. Are you trying to take away the rights that the person the, or that group are exercising and using the court as a front? Should that be? In any case, even if there is an injunction that has been filed, legitimately and served on, on, on them, are you the one to go and execute that injunction? If they don't come to court, contempt will lie against them. I see. Don't go and police your own action. You want an injunction and then you suddenly go and you are trying to implement the
3: injunction when it has not yet been granted. Is that right? You're calling for an independent investigation Mm. into allegations of police misconduct during the protest. Really, I haven't called. I have
2: only advised the police to be a bit more careful with citizens who are exercising their right legitimately protest and demonstrate and send whatever information they want to their
3: employees. This is interesting because some will say, why are you impeding the space of the police? Why are you basically almost like making it impossible for the police to carry out their duties? In the collective interest I'm, I'm, I'm happy, of the
2: happy. I'm happy about that question because people may not understand.
3: Yeah. Where why we come in? Yeah, we because are, they say, "Ah, Basij, what business are you Shrad to is, be advising the police in the performance of its duties?" When did you start becoming an advisory body everywhere else? Are you an interloper?
2: Charge <laughs> is the constitutional body invested with the, 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 the mandate or the duty to protect and promote all the rights. In chapter 5, which includes the right okay. in Article 21 D to demonstrate or to protest. Okay. Alright? Now, again, under the Paris principles, all national human rights institutions have, the UN has given them some additional jurisdiction that is to advise governments, central and local government officials on human rights and how human rights can be implemented in in order not to uh, nullify the enjoyment of that right and in this particular instance we saw an opportunity to give that advice okay and we have been giving those advices over the years i've given advisory opinions to the executive in the past i'm talking about the president's office to national security have given to the IGP himself during the COVID time, when there were arrests of people. Uh, we've done that all over. But this particular one seems uh, more interesting to most people. I don't know why.
3: Is it not interesting?
2: I, 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 well, we're because just, it, it, we're because just because
3: doing what's our work. It appears that you are joining a certain public uproar to decide to go against the no, police. No, 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 no. The police themselves
2: know that we're simply asserting the institutional mandate of the commission, to comment on a national issue, which is of prime importance. If we don't do it now, and it is gone, what happens?
3: But in effect, you can't do anything about it if the police dismisses your advice.
2: No, it's an advice.
3: You cannot do anything beyond that. Well, oh, the next thing is that we
2: will we'll meet at the, the UN or the AU. We'll, we'll in our shadow reports, when we are sending, will indicate how... Uh, unfriendly our, our police are when it comes to uh, policing, demonstrations and, and protests. That's bad press for Gala. No, 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 no. It's, it's our duty. Again, it's one of the Paris Principles' requirement. We, government will send their report, uh-huh. the Universal Periodic Review, to the UN. The National Human Rights Commission is supposed to send a shadow report on anything that it thinks government has done or not done. Okay. So. So, so that the Human Rights Council, the peer review mechanism, will look at the two. If you're hiding anything,
3: it will come up. That's interesting. Yeah. So you can drag the police there. Oh yeah. We, actually report, we, basically report them. We have been doing that. Really? Yes. This
2: year we had the, the Universal Periodic Review with our report. And government was led by... Um, the Attorney General them mm. and the Deputy Speaker of Parliament, the mm. Vice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are there. We are there together. And we didn't sit together. We sat separately, and
3: we spoke differently. You had different views on matters?
2: No, 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 because we are not a state. They are there for the state. We are there separately as the Human Rights Commission, which is supposed to hold government and the state
3: accountable. Mm. We're
2: simply performing our accountability function.
3: People have realized and raised this matter. The lack of investigations and disciplinary action against implicated officers Mm -hmm. has been a concern. For example, the people who were arrested and took them to jail on that night. Mm Nothing has happened to them. What can we do about situations like
2: that? Do you want them to be prosecuted?
3: I mean, I'm asking, what is the procedure for dealing with people like that? Since you say the conduct was inappropriate, what do we do with people who conduct themselves in appropriate ways? They have,
2: they have, they are, they are materialized in, in any possible civil action. Oh, I see. Yeah, they can for lawful
3: arrest. I see the gentlemen and the people, the protesters who are arrested. Yes. They are the ones who can take them on.
2: They can take them on. They can take the police on. What is the basis for arresting them? That they did, they did not show respect to a court process. Are you the one to do that? Should it be that? So I leave that to, uh, like I said, mine is an advisory. Mm -hmm. The lawyers of the demonstrators know the law. They know what to do if they are interested or they are minded.
0: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Mm. now let
3: me also bring you because this is a matter that but police has not in the Republic of Ghana the conduct of the police has always been with powerful people is almost like a force mm-hmm. can we ever get them changing we can get them changed if we
2: have the right leadership the leadership appreciates that look policing has changed mm-hmm. we're dealing with policing within uh, a democratic order It's not like the colonial days. Democratic policing, some of the leadership of the police, I know they know. But it is the lower level who do not know. And there's a need, if you see my recommendations in the advisory, I said we should train them, give them guidelines as to how they can uh, take care of protests but we always I'm say that honest.
3: we always say that yeah, but I can track back to the National Reconciliation Commission's report <laughs> the recent house yeah, was well gone report yeah. it's almost like the police is the only institution that requires reform so, but they always don't deliver on the job
2: I know the IGP is somebody who would be interested in clarifying this
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah they sh- they sh- you should be able to call them and let them explain why there's nothing wrong with it they are our people we have put them there. You see, accountability should be something that the ordinary, the, the media, and others should be able to. Of we all people. Call you, are, you are doing it. You yeah. call them out. So let them explain why, in the light of ayawa uh, west wogan I mean, uh, those issues, among others, all these things have come up, and yet the policing is still brutal. It's still treating people as if they are they have no rights. Meanwhile. Look, the police, do you know the Ghana Police Service is a constitutional body? Yeah. You know that. So if it's a constitutional body, they must obey the Constitution. Why should the ordinary NCO behave as safe? They are above the law. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're implementing the law doesn't mean that you're above the
3: law. That's the point. Now, maybe beyond this particular point, though, you've also been busy. And, I mean, you recently, is reported to have criticized the Electoral Commission. What have they done to you?
2: Oh, no, I haven't really. If it came out that way, then that's something. You say
3: they are are seeming untouchable.
2: Yes. You see, when, let's put things in context. Uh I'm also an independent constitutional body. Yeah. But you can see the angle from which I speak. Uh We should not overstate the independence that has been given to us under the Constitution because it is coming from the people. When it's about things that relate to the people, we should not stress that independence too much. And registration, in this context, making the registration more too onerous for the ordinary person who gave us the power. That was the basis for which
3: I was hard on them. So, fundamentally, yeah. registering to be a voter and participating in an election is a fundamental human right?
2: It's a human right, mm-hmm. and registration has to be enabled Okay, by the the electoral commission. Because without registration, you can't even exercise the right to vote. So if you then disable that right, I mean that right to register, because you make it difficult for people to access the place. Now they have to travel several days with guarantees. The next day, if they don't get to register, they have to come back. Two, three times. Why? Why should we let the honorary person who set up, these institutions to work in their interest, now becoming
3: like an abstraction to their enjoyment of life. That's an interesting point. I've not thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think, I mean, you are also an independent body, so perhaps that question goes to you people. Do you people feel that you are beyond reproach?
2: I don't feel so. I feel humbled.
3: Do you feel that?
2: I feel serving the people is actually a high order of of a call. Mm -hmm. So, I I don't feel that way at all.
3: Why do you think, for example, the Electoral Commission would act in such a manner? Oh, you may have to ask them. (laughs) (laughs) I get you. You you may have to ask them. I, I don't know. Really, for the life of me, I don't know. What can they do now? Because they're already in the throes of the registration exercise. They did a press conference today, complaining about minors and others getting on the electoral roll. Yeah. But those concerns about the registration center being far from the people, and also because you didn't do it last year and the previous year, so it looks like there's a huge number of people who are still struggling to get on board. Yeah, but what can the EC do now?
2: Yeah, don't forget, they have tried to let us know. Mm-hmm. Made from different speakers on the EC front, mm-hmm. we've come to understand when the director elections came on, yes. on your news file, yeah. he indicated that. The sanctity of the register is what they are more concerned. Now, if they overspread it in the context of the guarantor system, which, you know, the EC doesn't really like the guarantor system.
3: Yeah, they almost wanted to
2: take it out. Yeah, together. so that is why they are trying to close the gaps as much as possible. In fact, I'm sure that if the EC is minded, until people bar the people there, they would have preferred that, let's just close up, and maybe next year we'll again open. With time more Ghana Cards would have been available issued. to the people. Then
3: they would depend on the Ghana Card. I think that is that is is that a legitimate way. reason why the people cannot be registration are only taken closer to the people now?
2: But but registrations have taken place from '92 to now. That's true. Without Ghana Card, that's a point. Our democracy
3: has not suffered. So you see, for me. But there's a stress on sanctity of the register now. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. They, they
2: claim that, you know, they have always been situations of, oh, the register is bloated. Mm-hmm. It's bloated. But they seem to think that this one is now the best one.
3: Yeah, so we should add more. So they don't want to add more junk. Foreigners, which is also what they're talking about.
2: More junk. I think from that angle, we all agree that we want a, a, a register that is really up to. I mean, that is top notch. But I always say the people must come first. Consider the ordinary poor woman and, you know, her daughter or son of 18 years in a far-flung village which is about 50 kilometers from the EC district office. And they have to truck in at their cost, truck back, maybe do that three times at their own expense or because they want to exercise their right to vote, I mean, we may make the practice of voting in a democratic dispensation become too onerous, and people will just give up and not do it.
3: Is that why you indicated that democracy is as risk when citizens are getting disillusioned with public institutions meant to serve them?
2: Yes. We need to have that always at the back of our minds. All of us all of us, from the presidency through to the last uh, person who is working as a public officer, we should know that we are serving at the pleasure of the ordinary man. They gave the power. And so we shouldn't come to power and just assume that, oh, now we are in power. you don't matter. I mean, that is, that is the way it seems to look like. We need to be careful. Because when democracy fails... Yours is what is next.
3: You need to be very careful. You said power drunk officials are failing Ghanaians. Yes. Oh, really? You didn't <laughs> <say that>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. Some of media person. Oh, really? I'm cutting one of
3: the power reports drunk. that the, 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 you don't okay. So if you didn't say that power drunk officials are failing Ghanaians, yes. but I mean I'm scanning this area because a lot. Of his aspiration was around this exercise of registration. Yeah,
2: yeah, and it's still going on. Yeah, yeah.
3: Are you disappointed?
2: Yeah, I wish it were done better. I wish my sister institution really appreciated that. Yes, you are doing your best to maintain the sanctity of the register, but don't inconvenience the ordinary. I'm talking about the poor. I mean, and all of us, the 17 million Ghanaians who have to vote, have, can only do so through registration. And those who are left, we have to do this to let them come to participate in our democracy at their cost. It's not fair.
3: They say they may change it and that this year their budget is set. They plan on doing this at districts. Next year they may change it. Are you okay with that?
2: I'm okay with that. Actually, that is the other point they have said, which is very good. They will do the continuous registration. Which is what we all aim at. That is something we look for. But don't forget, this year we are going to have district-level elections. That's true. So those who are not able to register, it's not about 2024. It's about the local government level too. Oh, I see. So, so if I'm unable to register this year? If you can not register this year, you can't vote for anybody in the local. At the district election. level? No. Where mostly turnout is very low. It's already low. And then this is the governance that is near the people. And they are not able to choose. Mm.
3: Quite like it defeats the purpose of the entire local government structure. Exactly. Now, let me bring you into this one. Because, I mean, it almost sounds like some people would already be disenfranchised from that local government elections. It would appear like that.
2: It would appear like that. If by the close of this registration period, the... Um, estimated number, I think they are estimating about
3: 1.3. Yes, million. Yeah. If the
2: 1.3 million are not in, it means that other number that is not registered certainly would, would not participate in
3: local government elections this year. Do they have any recourse to law <laughs> or to your office? They, 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 well, unless, I don't know. I don't Can know. they petition you that their human rights is being abused? That is another independent constitutional law. Oh, really? Exercising
2: their mandate. So I don't... don't, why I'm asking,
3: can they petition you that their human rights is being uh, infringed upon? If they do that, it is their right to vote,
2: right? Mm -hmm. And the right to vote must come through right to register. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. They cannot... I cannot help them much because that mandate to register is a mandate of the Electoral Commission. Okay. And they have explained to us the basis for which they are not able to. I don't want to go into the issues of how Parliament has not
3: passed their... their, their yeah, they mentioned it. Their, actually. Their bill they they, they complain that Parliament is to be also held responsible for yeah. this. Yes,
2: and if they had done that, the budget would have been different, and so they would have gone all out. So those are areas I don't really want to
3: discuss. The final point on this particular one, it's not really about whether they can come to you for a recall so you can get yeah. them registered. Yes. But it's actually really about if you could speak to the EC today, would you ask them to consider an extension? I'll
2: do it through an advisory. As I will.
3: Oh, really? Another advisory. you issue it to
2: them. <laughs> yes, and put it on record. This is what we
3: want. This is what we can do for our people. Now, I want to move beyond this, but there's a question, though. When you are when you appearing to make comments on the EC... Some accuse you of overstepping your role of criticizing the EC. Oh, really? If they believe that, I mean, uh, it, it is not your business at all. That oh. you focus on your job.
2: I didn't, I'm not criticizing the EC because it is the EC. Mm-hmm. It is my job to ensure that all human rights are okay. manifestly you know, implemented. Do they know and that? And this is their right to vote. So my beef was in respect of the right... To register in order to vote, mm. not the easy. It could be anybody else who would have been given that mandate, I would have been going for that person. But it is the easy job to do so. But you are you are registering people to exercise a right to vote, which right is also in my kitty. Okay, to protect. Good. So you see where.
3: Oh, so they are overlapping in this case. So
2: that is where there is an issue with with us.
3: So it's not like you're just overstepping and seeking to overreach to the Electoral Commission, teaching them their job.
2: No, 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 Mm. I can't. I can't teach them their job. Mm. I don't know any election management or anything. But at least I know what, how to protect the
3: right of people. I see. Now, there's a related matter. Mm -hmm. Apparently, when you were taking on the EC... You were equally reaching out to the electoral, to the, to the Supreme Court, too. Were they part of the people you were assuming or, that they seemed untouchable?
2: You see, maybe sometimes you, the, the reportage can. Yes, justify. because
3: that's what, yeah.
2: I actually indicated that they were emboldened over the years hmm? by some interpretations by the Supreme Court. I have not criticized. Oh, you're
3: talking them. about. Okay, so you said the EC was emboldened, emboldened
2: by, by okay. their interpretations. Uh, by cases that have come before the Supreme Court. And as a result, they are going on a tangent they are going. That's it.
3: Mm. It's not as so if you are blaming the Supreme no, Court for no, no, saying no. that. There is,
2: yes. It's their, their right, their power, their mandate to interpret the Constitution.
3: But if we interpret it in such a way
2: that the EC is almost like an untouchable person, I, I cannot say you, 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 you have not
3: created a problem, a monster. I see. Now, one of the points, though, is if we want to restore trust in the Electoral Commission first, yeah. what do we do?
2: Well, for me, I wish we, we, we don't dwell too much on this, this, yeah, this matter. Yeah. Actually, for me, it's about the EC appreciating that they're doing these things. Or the, the You can see that all my arguments is about how we can make the the, the, the right to vote more realistic for the ordinary folks. Anything that will make them it comfortable for them so they don't spend too much of their own money trying to ensure that Ghana's democracy works, is my concern. If the EC can go as far as to their polling stations, registering them, I don't have a problem.
3: That one, in this period of registration, that would have been a bit late now. Mm-hmm. That's at least that's what they say that maybe you are considering doing that going into the future Yes, yeah, so now the other point though if I could raise it with you is Generally, how are we doing the fight against corruption because I'll ask you about how we are doing the fight uh, With the promotion of human rights to generally how are we doing the fight against corruption? Are we getting better? Mm-hmm. And I'm coming from the premise of maybe if I said it the CPI The CPI has not been getting better in the last three years, we've been scoring the same score, yeah. and this same score used to be the worst under the previous government. So it doesn't look like on the face of it, but the CPI is just corruption perception index. It's an index. You, yeah. you have a proper appreciation of the space of corruption fight. How are we doing generally? We aren't doing very well.
2: We're not doing very well. We're not doing as much as we should. You see, it's not about investigating and prosecuting corruption. That is not the issue. Mm. It is how does government ensure that appointees of state are accountable even without requiring an investigation? How so? What do you mean? One, prevention. Oh, okay. If we had a very, uh, the conduct of public officers bill, which we have been pretending that it is there, but you know it is not, it's not really functional. If we have...
3: So what do you mean by it's not really functional?
2: No, I mean the, the conduct of public officers' bill is before cabinet. Okay. We have done our best to ensure that chapter 24, which is supposed to meet the AU Convention and the UN Convention uh, provisions, is reflected properly. Now, this... The latest version, I don't know whether you have it, the 2022 version. Yes, I have that. Really attempts to some extent to meet some of the provisions. The provisions about uh, uh, public access to declarations or publication, sanctions and verification. Even though I have issues with the three areas, but there has been an attempt to see how they can improve upon that area. But we can do more. I go for let the people know their public officers what assets they have, what properties they have publicly. It should be published in the Gazette. It should be areas that are easily accessible to the people. Because there is nothing in the Constitution that talks about confidentiality. It's in the, 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 the uh, the disqualification, the public officer's holders qualification and disqualification and assets act. I've in the number? By act five hundred and fifty. That is the one that introduces confidentiality.
3: Okay. Oh really? Yes.
2: So what what is wrong with it? Why can't we? Why why are we? If you want if you want to be a public officer, then make your assets and properties known so that we can know. We can have a baseline. When you came into a job,
3: <clears throat> we saw how much you came with. But the PNDC cannot allow that, right? So why are we going backwards? And if we had sanctioned regimes, that included prisons.
2: Yes, I happen to have. I, you you may not have. I, I have declared under the PNDC. Okay. I have done it before. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And they published them. Published? And you can just buy a gazette and see the names of, I, I saw, late of bank. He declared a gramophone, among others.
3: I oh, mean, gramophone.
2: A gramophone. I, I mean, see. That is the extent to which there was transparency. Yeah. So, why now? Why has it already, already become, now it has. It seems like, ah, it would be dangerous if we, but so many countries, so many countries
3: around the world are publishing. Mm. The, What's so special about guys? The Auditor General, former Daniel Domilevo, yeah, took you on, in my last interview with him, Insisting that you, as Raj boss, could actually invalidate somebody's office if the person failed to actually file the asset declaration. Because to him, you cannot, it's a prerequisite for office. If you don't qualify or comply with that, you can take office.
2: Are you emboldened with such powers? Daniel Domerevo, my very good friend. Yes. I, I'm happy about it. I had I heard him say what he said. Okay. But there's he there, was being unfair to me. Oh really? Yeah, very, very unfair. One, because look, the provision in Article 287 that says that the commissioner, after the investigations, or the chief justice, depending on the case, may take appropriate action. Arising out of the results of the investigation is too opaque. Okay. It's too opaque and is subject to any criticism. If you decide to say because of that you are going to remove somebody from his job, how are you going to explain? Are you the appointing authority?
3: That's interesting. So
2: you could see that when it came to the case of the PPA boss, I recommended to the president, who is the appointed authority, to remove him from office.
3: Mm. Are, you, are you seeing I get you, yeah.
2: But now in the new bill, that is now before cabinet, or oh, from the ages, there is provision for a whole gamut of sanctions, from reprimands through reductions to demotions to removers.
3: It's all there. Because you didn't file? Oh, because
2: you have not filed, okay. or you gave a false uh, declaration, or uh, you did not file and you were paid emoluments mm. for a number of years I and mean, months. All that is captured. Now there are sanctions for that. There's a new bill. There's a new bill and there are sanctions. But I'm not comfortable with the, the fines. There are okay. some fines and then imprisonment. Mm-hmm. So there are now fines and
3: imprisonment. Like going back to the PNDC days.
2: Yes. But the fines are on the low side. I want the fines to be raised. Okay, yes. I see. 1,000 to 1,500
3: penalty units. It's too small. Is President Akufa the fighting corruption? This is a direct question. Um, I know you are not at Tibor, also.
2: Yeah, I think uh, from my perspective, when it, it's about the institutions, the anti-corruption institutions, he's giving us money. He's doing it consistently. And I think that is also the way of fighting corruption. But he can do more. He can even fight corruption within his own uh, ministries. Really? Depending on the signal you give to people. Like what? Yeah, you can fire. You can fire. You don't need an investigation before you remove, you exercise your power of removal. You can do that and hand them over to us to to investigate them or
3: further punishment. You can do that. Is trust winning in the judiciary? An area
2: I normally would not want to comment on. You are not a timorous soul. No, no, I'm not. But I want to be, I want to reserve that card. <laughs> I know normally, they, you know, you see, we need to build our judiciary. We need to. No do. matter what it is, we need to make sure that we do these things in a manner that we not
3: overexpose them. Does it require balance? I wouldn't want to comment on that. You don't think so, you think so? I, I don't want to comment on that.
2: But it is a
3: political game and I don't want to be part of the politics. Mr. Rital until the next appointed date that you shall make time for us <laughs> I am very grateful to you for our time this evening Thank you my brother. And surely we will chase up on those laws to see where it's going up to and perhaps get to the bottom of it but I'm very grateful for your time this evening. Thank you Ladies You're and welcome. gentlemen, that's where we end today's edition of Affront. Many thanks to you for watching us